these stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Voila, the GF1. Slide. Handles adjustable for easy carrying. Good for riders and lefties. Breaks down on four parts, undetectable by X-ray. Ideal for quick, discreet interventions. A word on firepower. Titanium recharger. 3,000 round clip with burst of 3 to 300. With the replay button, another Zorg invention, it's even easier. One shot. And replay sends every following shot to the same location. And to finish the job, all the Zorgoldies but Goldies. Rocket launcher. Arrow launcher. With explosion of poisonous gas head. Very practical. A famous net launcher. The always efficient flamethrower. My favorite. And for the grand finale, the all-new Ice Cube system. podcast i'm tom carnell and i'm here alone with but with a guest uh for episode 113 our guest is john edwards john is an old friend of mine and he is the most knowledgeable man i have on this topic john welcome thank you thanks for having me and uh the topic today as or as this episode is as i'm calling it guns 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 (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk about guns and cinema um not any film in spe- specifically, but mostly about just cool guns and odd guns and, and fallacies about what we think guns are capable of um, uh, and like that. So um, let's get started. And I want to ask you first, John, why why did I invite you here? <laughs> uh, well, I, I would say a shortage of friends, but <laughs> uh, I, I've listened to the podcast and I know that's not true. Um we have had a a wonderful multidimensional friendship and relationship, and none the least of which is that we, you and I, have had the opportunity to go out and spend some time on a range. Yes. Uh, we've been able to shoot everything from low caliber to mid caliber. Unfortunately, we didn't get to play with some of the big toys, but uh, if you ever want to come visit me in Oregon, we can take care of that. <laughs> um, a little bit about me. Uh, I was... I was born a poor black child in the uh, rural areas of Portland, Oregon. Uh, as I as I grew up, I grew up in a very, I would say, conservative yet uh, open-minded family. Uh, open-minded in that they trusted us with things that would probably, you know, kill most children. You know, lead paint, lawn <laughs> darts, and, and firearms. Uh, about, uh, I would say, pre-teens, I decided that... I really had an interest in in firearms, and it wasn't just so much the the idea of a, a gun to inflict pain or inflict one's will, but you know, growing up seventies and eighties, you know, the the action era, especially in the eighties, was was very gun centric, very firearm heavy, and and those were the films that I followed the most. So, 
what became an interest kind of grew into a hobby, uh, became enthusiasm, passion, and, and then with a touch of insanity for the past you know thirty some odd years. Uh, through that, I've I've spent a lot of time with with various experts in the field, uh, law enforcement, military, and uh, I would say uh, professional uh, post-military, post-government civilian sales. I have, I would say, I've probably spent more time than money, although money has sadly been considerable and and hidden, mostly, (laughs) from my wife. Uh, That's probably the only reason I'm still talking to you today. Uh, But it, it... like anything, when we feel passionate about something, we want to be an expert or we want to be a credible, knowledgeable source. So I've spent probably the past 30 years molding myself into someone who can have credible conversations with people, whether they're you know pro-firearm, anti-firearm, and be a voice of reason in the middle. Right on. Right on. Well, you know, and the thing that's great is, is like for a guy like me who needs access to that kind of information, but doesn't just doesn't have the time or the wherewithal. <laughs> it's nice. It's really helpful to be able to go, dude, what is this? What's this about? And and learn, learn about it and be able to to go to someone with, with uh, knowledge and credibility. And so you so me as a writer, I don't come off like completely full of shit because left to my own devices. I'd be completely full of shit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what's been great is that uh, not only are we friends, but also it's like you're you're just one of those resource guys that I that I really hold close to the vest, you know. Well, I appreciate that, and it's it's also cool for me because you know you being a creative, someone that can generate those ideas, it's nice to be someone there that that can say, hey, you know what, this is how this works in the real world use it how you will mm-hmm. and then and then see how you take that knowledge and craft it into a story so i mean it's it's kind of a win-win right on i agree um so let's so let, let's sort of talk about this this i guess we've both made lists we're a big <laughs> list list show so um let's talk a little bit about our criteria the first dividing line i ran into and i made a thread about this on facebook and got some wild um responses one of the things in the thread, though, I noticed was that uh, there was a difference between guns people thought were cool and cool scenes that happened to have guns. I got a lot of like, look at this 45 that this guy used. It's like, yeah, but it's a 45. Um, so that was the first sort of fork in the road. And so I, I moved sort of accordingly. Um, and I sort of focused on guns that I thought that were unique and um, things that I thought were... Um, sort of betraying of character um was that sort of the same thing that you did on your compilation or a little bit and i watched that thread as well and i really enjoyed some of the pictures and some of the links that people came up with in fact i found probably at least two or three of them on my actual list mm-hmm. uh, when i looked at at kind of firearms and cinema uh, reality or or sci-fi i was looking for the ones that to me were very iconic that when I thought of a movie title, I could think of a particular scene and I could actually think of a particular firearm and think, Oh yeah, that, that was like carnage or, you know, that was very eloquent or, you know, give me 10 minutes alone and, and I'll take <laughs> care of things myself. Uh, so that, that was kind of how I went through this list. Uh, and, and there was a, there's also a couple of spots where, wow, Hey, that was, 
uh, you know, that was incredible. I didn't realize that firearm could do all those things. And then I went through and educated myself and realized, oh, <laughs> it can't. Okay. Well, so, you know, the thing that I discovered, and you had told me about this, um, but like in the prep for this show, I sort of really dug into it, was the uh, Internet Movie Firearms Database, uh, which is a great resource. It, it's like you go to a movie and it'll tell you every fucking gun used. It's amazing with pictures and detailed descriptions and it it is a great site for information with people that have a level of oc disorder that <laughs> i don't even want to touch so but bless their hearts i am you know it's there's it's the benefit there's a car one too i guess yes internet movie car database it's that it's god love the internet you know <laughs> <laughs> i love the internet and i love people with too much free time yeah, bless yeah. their hearts yeah yeah what, the other thing I noticed was I kept butting up against films um, that, for example, uh, we just did a show on John Wick and the Expendables come to mind where there's just so many <laughs> different guns and everyone's got one and, and everyone sort of is a little bit in you know, betraying character and um, it just became overwhelming. Um, the Expendables films, I mean, that's that's gun porn. That's just flat out, you know, '80s nostalgia gun porn. It's it's the uh, hot school teacher gangbang, right? It's the stuff that uh, it's you get it in excess, and then you have to walk away for a while and find a slice of reality somewhere and cling to it. Um, you know, they're enjoyable for that, but yeah, it your your point, and I agree with it. Is it's it's excessive. Well, it was one of those things where like. You know, they, 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 they strap in and they show all these guns and then they, they enter the place, bam, 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 guns are getting left behind. <laughs> so it's like, you just basically show this to go, look at this cool thing, you know? Yeah, and, it, and they treat it disposable and, and just the, the part of me that's collector just weeps. It's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a couple of things I saw in the Expendables. They were just ridiculous, like... The, um, I'm going to fuck some of these names up, but the Browning MZ aircraft, it's just this ridiculous gun that no one other than the military ever needs. But this guy, these guys are just carting it around. Well, and, and like the AA-12, the, uh, this, the automatic 12-gauge. Yeah. Yeah, um, Terry Crews, I think, was carrying that at one point. I, I might be drawing a, I might be getting that confused, but I mean, that, that's just shotgun sex. I mean, that is, that is gratuitous. That is, you know, that, that is five shades of awesome. And it's uh, another good resource, you know, just kind of a sidebar. There's a guy, uh, he's, he's originally from Tennessee and he puts on a, you know, fairly innocuous Russian accent and it's called FPS Russia on youtube he's been on there for years i don't exactly know the the backstory or you know what organization is actually providing him all the equipment but he brings out exotics uh weapon exotics the likes of which you've never seen and wow. he and he basically blows shit up but it is it's been like i said it's been around for a few years it's worth spending some time just watching it's just it, it's again it goes back to gun porn it is just carnage 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 with some incredible pieces of equipment right right and there are those guys on youtube that are like okay we're gonna shoot this car <laughs> and they <laughs> blow it up it's amazing it's just amazing um it just for this and like i say like 
things like John Wick, you know, people show up, they pull a cool gun out, and it looks really cool. It has a visual impact. A couple shots, and then either they're, well, John Wick, they're usually killed. But, um, <laughs> uh, so I guess we can just sort of flip back and forth. I mean, there are these things that are like, I found to be like Excalibur. They're like, they define the character. Dirty Harry's um, Smith & Wesson is one that came to mind immediately. Absolutely. The Model 29, according to my notes. <laughs> yeah, so in terms of Smith revolvers, the, the 29 and the 629, 44 mag, these are, I mean, these are hand cannons. And I don't, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to shoot 44 mag yet, mm-hmm. but it, it lets you know that you have, have shot a handgun. And it gives you, if you're not prepared properly, you can have a little bit of a hangover from it. it it'll, <laughs> it, it'll wake you the hell up. But, but Clint Eastwood, and I actually have him on my list for that and another one. Uh, I mean, he, he is iconic, old school, you know, forced to be reckoned with, delivered death almost the same way that Bronson did with the Death Wish movies. Right. But the 44 mag, that's Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that weird shooting style where you can see where he shoots, and it, it's a, an explosion in his hand. The whole arm whips back, and it's like, <laughs> it's just so funny. It's just so funny. I was looking over the Do You Feel Lucky punk scene, and I just, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. It's just so cheesy and and uh, so sort of um, of its time, I guess. Oh, it, absolutely, but it resonates. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. It's it's like the uh, you know if you take the eighties it's it's like the Scarface um, the the M sixteen and M two hundred three grenade launcher the the final scene the say sure. hello to my little friend yeah. because everyone has that asshole friend at a party that thinks they're Tony Montana and they throw that quote out and when they do that's what you think of and then you think I should duck <laughs> yeah. yeah where's the coke and look behind you yeah. Yeah, no. Um, that's a that's another one. You're absolutely right. It's like people when they think of Scarface, that's the moment that they usually think, you know. Um, um, and and <laughs> talk about debt to devastating effect, you know. Oh, that was. I mean, it was just it was cinematic carnage, and it was done in a way where you know you know you're you're watching him take hits. He's taking damage. He he should be dead, but. You know, with with all the drugs in his system, it's like he's just, you know, he's operating somehow. And then the assassination from behind with the, I think it was a double barrel shotgun, mm-hmm. which which ended it. And then cue music, fade out, done. I mean, it it is a it's a powerful scene. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And talk about again, you know, character. These uh, stumbling all over myself here. Um, uh, about defining character, one of the suggestions made on this list was um, the Cobra's forty-five, which I didn't put down on my list um, because it was just a it was just a, a very nice forty-five. Yeah, I left it off as well because I mean it was a I think it was a Colt. I don't think it was a Kimber. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the nineteen eleven style. I mean a forty-five is a forty-five is a forty-five in a lot of cases, uh, but it had the the ivory grips mm-hmm. or. You know the difference between pearl and ivory is is uh, if you're pearl you're a pimp if you're ivory you're a cop. Um, ah, good to know. It, it's never been. I mean, it's 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 flash. It's unnecessary flash. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but there are guns, and and I'll dip on the list for this. So take the the Beretta ninety two, the the nine sure. millimeter lethal weapon. Uh, you know, it was Mel Gibson's gun, the Die Hard, Bruce Willis. I mean, this was the the large frame. Really, uh, if I re- if I look back to the movies that I saw growing up, this was really the first time I saw this high capacity nine millimeter that could blow holes through solid oak tables and riddle people with uh, you know puncture, blow blood pa- packets out through the front and back of armed terrorists that are standing above them. I mean that it's it was a it was a powerful scene, but it was like oh that's it's a Beretta that's that's got to be a, a high high caliber high powerful handgun that's you know trumps all mm-hmm. yeah yet yet it it's the same caliber as the uh, using die hard as the example because uh, somebody called out uh, hans gruber's p7 same caliber mm. hmm. different different size gun exact same caliber same ammo well i know that it's a it's a it's high capacity there's like 15 right yeah and so that's i'm sure that's in the days post stuff like Magnificent Seven, where we had unending revolvers, yeah. um, you know, I was and people started actually knowing that you had to reload. Um, here was something that was not only had had a lot of stopping power, but there was a lot a lot of bullets. You know, um, it's one thing that I think they the director or producers of John Wick did exceptionally well as they did ammo reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in the first movie, Keanu Reeves is reloading about every 15 and he's even ejecting mags before they're empty where his, the, the slide isn't locked back. He's, he's probably not dry, but he's treating it like he doesn't want to run out at that second. Right. Uh, you know, second movie, uh, I think the catacombs is probably one of the most epic gun battle scenes at least in the past two three years uh, just in how he ran it now you know the the little trivia geeky side note the way he the way Keanu Reeves trained he trained as he was competing in a three-gun tournament uh, three-gun tournament is handgun rifle shotgun uh, you've you've seen we've all seen the the YouTube videos where he trained at Terran Tactical you know a gun expert really good at getting people trained and prepared but that catacomb scene ran just like a three-gun tournament. Mm. It was hand. It was handgun. It was rifle. It was shotgun. It was handgun. I mean, it was it was just textbook for him, and and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was just well choreographed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a little, and we talked about this on the Wick episode, but there, there's a little bit of like that the old chopsaki stuff about a lot of guys and and coming at him in, in manageable numbers. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, 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 but again, it's cinema, and man, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's it's really the high point in that film. One of the high points, at least. Agreed, and, and I want to. I, I do want to give a shout out to your crew for the for the Wick podcast. I I hadn't seen the movie prior to listening to that. Mm. Uh, I, I I didn't feel like it was spoiled at all, but I felt like you guys did an excellent job preparing me to pay attention to the things I needed to pay attention to. Oh, cool! That's so your great. your crew did a great job. Oh, great. Awesome. We like to hear that stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. The other sort of iconic Excalibur-like weapon would uh, that kept coming up was the Walther PPK. <laughs> yeah, James With... Bond making girl caliber sexy since 1965. Yeah, right. Right. It's funny because the first time I ever held one was 
one that my father-in-law had gotten from my mother-in-law. And yeah. I thought, this is a James Bond thing, really? It's it's like a cute little gun. Well, and I think that's that's where you. I mean, James Bond being kind of the the man's man, uh, having this this really compact to subcompact handgun with seven rounds or uh, seven in the magazine, one in the in the chamber. Uh, but he's able to take on people that are you know have superior equipment. But he does so <laughs> with a suit and a martini, and he just I mean he's Bond. Yeah, and I was shocked when I heard it fire. You know, I was thinking, yeah. oh, this is going to be like a big, big Bond thing. And then it was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the 380 auto is basically, uh, they used to call it, I think, nine millimeter short. It's a, it's a nine millimeter bullet in a, in a shorter casing. And it's, it's snappy, mm-hmm. but it's not, uh, it's not annoying. Right. I mean, you, you shoot it and it's like, eh, okay. I just, it's not a cap gun, but it's not abusive. Right, right, right. So, with the shorter round, is it is is the uh, impact less? Does it could not go as far? Well, you you give up velocity, right? You you have a different bullet weight, so they they won't necessarily use the same bullet weight, and and that's when you get into uh, grainage. So, a, a bullet is uh, bullets are weighed by grain. And a grain, so a single grain is, I think, 64 milligrams. And in a traditional 9 mil, you'll find the the bullet weights anywhere between 115 grain and, and 147. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the larger the bullet, uh, obviously, the bigger the range. 45s, you'll find, you can find them as low as 180, but the standard is 230. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of the amount of damage it'll do, it depends on on how the, the powder charge is loaded. Is it loaded hot? Is it a standard load? Is it desired to be subsonic? Uh, subsonic for suppre- you know for silencer slash suppressor use, that's kind of a huge deal. Uh, but there really needs to be... Think think of... Uh, did you ever see the TV, TV show How I Met Your Mother? No. Okay, so there was a character... I can't remember his name, but he always talked about the hot, crazy graph. The hotter the woman... Oh, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar so, with the hot crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, We're, we all know it in some form. Uh, bullet, uh, really, bullets should be done on a on a three dimensional graph. It should be uh, bullet weight. It should be velocity, and it should be the amount of damage. Mass and velocity is a huge deal when it comes to to bullets. So, I mean, the heavier the bullet, generally, the slower it goes. Um, you know, when we talk about if we talk about you know what's the future of of weaponry and warfare we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that so i'll just kind of table it for now okay i'm gonna write that down so i don't forget it uh let's see so let's go to some um favorites uh oh. i'm gonna throw an old one out first and that is the Erlikon 20 millimeter cannon in um, <laughs> thunderbolt and lightfoot oh my god okay yeah. That one, real, it's this giant, almost like an anti-aircraft gun. <laughs> well, and at that caliber, it is. Right. And they're using it for, a, as I remember, a bank heist. That's <laughs> the uh, very similar, I think, to what they used in the uh, Day of the Jackal remake. Yes. Yeah. I have that so, down. So the, you know, when you get into, when you start and get into, when you sit, when you stop measuring a weapon in caliber and you get into millimeter, so you get the 20, the 30, you're, you're now talking about things that can carry explosive charges. I mean, these are the things that, uh, 
as a civilian, if you were to own something like that, you don't actually you can't actually go to the store and buy it. That's when you have to go to the ATF and and not get approval for an NFA, National Firearms Act, mm-hmm. but a dis, but a destructive devices license. Wow, which is a, a whole different kettle of fish. And uh, you know, won't lie, there's always been part of me that's like mm, that'd be cool, but. It's just, <laughs> There's just zero practicality to it for, right. for normal people. Right, 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 right. right. But, but that's a good choice. Yeah, it, it was just, I just remember at the time when the film came out, it was all anyone was talking about. It's, it's a, it was the reason to go see that movie, other than the fact that it's actually quite a good film. Um, but uh, uh, everyone was just talking about this gun. And, and um, yeah, I, I don't doubt that they may have overplayed it a little bit. <laughs> but it's still a huge gun. Yeah, and, and you will actually find there are uh, some companies that have made single-shot 20 millimeters that are available to purchase if you go through the right paperwork. And mm-hmm. and again, it's one of those, where would I put it? Right. Let alone, yes. what, where would I shoot it? it? You wouldn't. I mean, you're at that point, you're looking to do some... There's, there's very little that you're going to do that's legal or good. <laughs> now, I, I, I noticed I didn't say not fun because that's that has fun written all down the barrel oh sure but the that's when you get into the i i'm in i'm i aim to misbehave right 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 because even if you even if they if it if it was allowed onto a range you're destroying whatever part of the range you're, you're gonna, yeah yeah that that's measured in miles not yards yeah 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 yeah, yeah. someone also and i didn't look it up was the the sniper rifle in um shooter Someone oh, that. oh, he was. I'm trying to remember. That's the. Was that the Marky Mark movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's forever. Um, he's forever Marky Mark. He will always be Marky Mark. Um, I'm trying to think if he used a. I don't remember if he used a 308 or not. Um, I I caught part of that on cable, and then I realized what it was and turned it off. Mm. Uh, you know what? Just... It's actually not bad. Really? As those things go, it's not okay. that bad. All right. Well, I'll make an effort to go see it. Then. <laughs> Netflix it or, or something. Um, so I, I can't give you a lot there. Okay. But since since we're talking about sniper rifles, uh, and I want to, I've got two on the two on my list that show Bill pa- Paxton love. Oh, great! Uh, awesome. So I'll just go right into that one. Uh, Navy SEALs, the movie where he played the character God, or uh-huh. that was his name, God. He had a, a Barrett M82, which was real. It, also known as a Barrett Light 50. It's the semi-automatic 50 caliber rifle. A lot of times people use it for sniping. Uh, I think there are some Geneva conventions against using 50 cal for, for anti-personnel. So it's technically considered an anti-material rifle. Mm-hmm. You know, light trucks, cheaps. You know, people are also material. So, it you know, it, it qualifies. But, you know, he played this you know, cocky Navy SEAL with this really horrible mustache and this gun that could just blow holes through concrete walls by, after, you know, looking through his thermal scope and, and being able to tell, you know, whether or not somebody had just pissed themselves. Mm. I mean, it, it was cinematically, at least from my standpoint, this was the, holy shit, what's that? And can you buy it? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's Char- Charlie Sheen movie. So, you know, yeah. not very good, but that was something that the first time I recall seeing a, heavy caliber being used carried by an individual carried effortlessly and just wreaking havoc on anything it went up against. Uh, and you know, again, that was, that was Paxton with possibly one of the worst mustaches in eighties 
movie history. The uh, the Barrett M82 sniper was used also in Smoking Aces. Yes, the, and the girl uh, from the other building. Yeah, and I had a so just little weight trivia on that. Uh, a Barrett weighs dry, weighs about forty five pounds. Uh, ten shot mag, you're probably adding another you know eight to ten pounds there. Mm-hmm. When I look at a little 115-pound girl carting that around, I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> bitch better be strong. Yeah. Uh, and for, for transparency, I do have a Barrett in my collection. And I can carry that. I can run with it. But if I do, I'm, I'm the next day I'm thinking to myself, I need to do more cardio. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's just one of those. It was like um, uh, old Painless in Predator. Yes, him, him running. First of all, him running through the jungle with that thing is kind of ridiculous. The other part, it was my understanding that that it needs a compressor to to work. Correct. Um, so it, it's also on my list. Uh, Blaine's minigun. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was weird. I'm not really sure. I think you. I don't know if you need a compressor, but you do need a motor, right? right. Because it, it's a powered unit. Uh, with the with the Gatling gun turning, it's likely or or the method of operation is it's going to pull the ammunition in and, and through the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, most of that pack that he's got is batteries and ammo. Right. And, and I can't imagine just even doing that for, you know, theatrical purposes. And they built that for the purpose of the movie. I can't imagine how heavy that sucker was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, I mean, it's it, the two people that I remember it most with, are Jesse Ventura in Predator and uh, Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. Yeah. Um, and those are both big guys. Uh, some detail I found, 7.62 millimeter, 2 to 6,000 rounds a minute. Yep. So uh, there was a story that they wanted to... They wanted to dumb it down. They wanted to change it from a 308 to a, a 5.56 millimeter, which is same ammunition that the M16 AR15 platforms shoot. And Jesse Ventura expressly said, "No, this was designed to shoot 308. It's going to fucking shoot 308." Mm-hmm. And, and that's the the man's got balls. I mean, that's, that's just. Can you, I that, just can't imagine? Can you imagine being on the trigger of that thing? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I could, but I need a towel afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely, so inappropriate. Yeah, and the the great scene in that film of them um, after uh, Jesse Ventura gets hit, um, them firing into the uh, into the forest. Yes. <laughs> Jesse trees getting mowed down, and <laughs> well, and that's that's exactly why that made the list. Is uh, as a kid, yeah, I remember seeing that movie in the theater and just. Every time I would think about Predator, it wasn't the the one on one scene. It wasn't the the skinned bodies. It was Duke and everyone else mowing down a jungle. Yeah, absolutely. I ain't got time to bleed. Fucking exactly. a. Fucking exactly. a. Got time to duck. Yeah. yeah. So great. So great. I'm very excited. Uh, I just found on Blu-ray uh, all three of the Predator movies, and I'm very excited about it. Nice. Sit down and rewatch those. So, what else? Give me another one from your list. Okay. Well, I'm gonna let me finish up my my Paxton. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it has to be the Pulse rifle in Aliens. Sure. Uh, you know, M4A1. As they said, uh, 10 millimeter caseless, high explosive, armor piercing ammo. 
And it had the the thirty millimeter grenade launch pump grenade launcher at the bottom. Who didn't want a pulse rifle after that movie? Yeah. I mean, forget the flamethrower. Give me a pulse rifle. Absolutely, ninety nine rounds. I remember <laughs> just watching those numbers go down, and yeah, it was the shit. I, and to be honest, I looked all over the place for that uh, Hicks explaining it to Ripley's scene, and I could not find it on the internet, which is a drag. I, I really uh, that's a great it, moment. You would think it would be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice little uh, interesting bit of trivia. The the Pulse Rifle was designed like w- stylistically after the old, uh, think, gangster and World War II era Tommy guns. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, I mean, it operates very differently. But if you look at the, if you look at the lines and you just you know, stylistically put them side by side, you can see where they took a little bit of the influence. It's, it's kind of cool. Mm. And it's funny how post-Aliens, that design has started to crop up in new designs of guns. Yeah, the uh, Heckler & Koch uh, G36, mm-hmm. um, that's, uh, you don't find them here in the States. They, I don't even know if they make them anymore. They, they might, but uh, it was kind of their modular catch-all rifle for the world, and it looks a lot like a pulse rifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you know, the Germans are, are anything but, you know, creative, right? <laughs> Krauts. <laughs> I, only, I, I feel like I can, I can say that because I am part German somewhere. Somewhere in the family we have evil. So. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's see. Um, another name, one that came up almost immediately was the Umberity Sharps 1874 Long Range from Quigley Down Under. Oh, great movie and accurate. 34-inch barrel fitted with a veneer sight. Um, yeah, that's a great movie. For sure. And and they did Sharps a lot of credit and respect with that. You know, it was it was considered a, a premium long-range rifle. It could do things that, that the rifles of the time couldn't. And, you know, I, just when you look at... And, and Tom Selleck's a, a gun guy, so it doesn't surprise me that he... He was part of a movie that tried to keep things fairly accurate and respectful. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's only so much you can do for kind of Wild West or, you know, not Wild West, but kind of old, you know, 1800s type uh, movies. But it w- it did a, an excellent job portraying equipment of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just remember it, it was one of those, holy shit, and, uh, and Alan Rickman. Yeah. So. I, I'll see anything with Alan Rickman. I know, right? Um, but it's, uh, uh, again, it's one of those things where it became sort of iconic to that character. And I think it's an interesting idea of betraying, again, betraying character based on what kind of weapon you choose. Um, I think it's a great moment. Absolutely. And that's, and we do see that. We do see a lot where, you know, characters that are, that, that are iconic, that, you know, transcend decades there is if they stand alone that's great but you can also associate them with something whether it's uh steve mcqueen with his mustang or um you know tom Selleck with sharp's rifle i mean there are you you can almost pair them with an object and that will be something that kind of transcends the decade one of the things we talked about in the wick episode was like instead of a, being a weapon in wick's case it, it was the suit oh god <laughs> that ridiculous suit <laughs> yeah, that, I was, uh, uh, without that suit, you couldn't have had what followed. But what? 
yeah, step away from it, and it's a really dopey idea. <laughs> I, I appreciated the fact that they at least said, you're going to hurt a lot. Yeah. It's like, well, well, yeah, but like like any bulletproof material, you hit it enough times, it's going to fail. And right. <laughs> how many how many goddamn times did he get shot? I know, I know. Um, which, which kind of brings up a, another point I wanted to talk about real quickly, and that was the the idea where you know even guys with vests they take a they get shot and it's not something you really i mean you kind of can walk it off but you're it hurts um and there's all these misconceptions you know the cop that hunkers down behind the car door <laughs> uh, yeah what are some of those that you've noticed well you know hollywood has done an excellent job making car doors magically bulletproof yeah. or, uh, and, or, or bar room tables oh my god bar room tables any table um, I'm surprised you haven't gotten some of those folding plastic tables to repel a 45 <laughs> um, but but yeah you know bulletproof vests are, are interesting because uh, you you have you have vests are better Te- the technology for vests are infinitely better than they were but to stop high-powered rifles, you're getting out of soft armor and you're now getting into kind of the plate armor. A, a good job, I think, if, you, if you've if you seen 13 Hours, mm-hmm. 13 Hours does a pretty good job where, where the guys are wearing plates, they're wearing hard armor. I think one of them takes a shot to the chest and he goes down and he's hurt. He's able to recover, but that's a, I mean, that's a 7.62 uh, by 39. So it's it's not the 308 that was shot or portrayed by the Blaine's minigun and predator. It's, it's the AK round, mm. uh, but that hits you. It, it's not going to kill him. It's not going to pierce the level of armor he's wearing, but it's going to fucking hurt. Right. It's physics. It all, Absolutely. it's like you get, you just don't bring something that going that fast to a stop that quickly without it. There being some uh, blowback. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and that's why a lot of armor they have, they have trauma plates that they wear underneath the armor to try to, to lessen or at least dissipate the shock. But you're, you're still getting poked in the chest by, you know, a, a nine or 10 millimeter type round going at, you know, 1500 feet per second. That shit's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. I love the YouTube videos where they're like, we're going to test out this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That you mean Dar- the Darwin Olympics? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's funny how that mainly happens in the South. I mean, I'm not judging, but uh, let's let's call a shovel a shovel. Right on, right on. Um, give me another one from your list. All right, uh, let's go sci-fi. Uh, Han Solo's blaster. Yeah, you know that's to me iconic. It it carries across, you know, not only the the original movies, but they're going to be using it with the the Han Solo spinoff. Um, Fun modeling trivia. They base that off the German Mauser machine pistol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can kind of see it, that weird. Oh, totally. And again, it, it, it looks functional. It looks beastly. Um, you know, Star Wars has been, you know, star, to me, Star Wars kind of set the standard for laser pistols and laser blasts in space. And also the, the massive suspension of disbelief that, that laser light doesn't quite go as fast as light. <laughs> and that and that you can duck yeah so you know, whatever but that to, to me i wanted to I, I saw the movie in 77 and from then on i wanted to be han solo uh, i still want to be han solo uh, and, and that might be part of my my gun affliction potentially uh, you know I, 
I'll, I'll ask my therapist. Uh, but you know, he was he was the man, and yeah. and he he low slung handgun, and he tore shit up. Absolutely. Oh, I just I thought of it. Just thought of another one. Um, when you say blaster and you say um, Harrison Ford, I immediately think Blade Runner. <laughs> That's funny. That's on my list. Yeah, and that was a cool, cool, cool gun as hell. Had no idea what it fired or whatever, but man, uh, I had I had to look it up uh, because it was just so freaking cool, right? I mean, he's he's blowing out the heads of androids that are running away, and it, it's just kind of the versatile do-all pistol. Mm-hmm. And they so they took a revolver. And then they kind of added shit to make it look, you know, high tech. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. That that gun, I I wanted one of those. I still want one of those. <laughs> um, Adam Savage from MythBusters does builds on a lot of this cosplay stuff, and he's done a blaster a couple of times. Nice. And there's uh there's video. It's like those little things they add to them. It's, I was looking at some a photo of the the Berettas from Equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And they just built this little piece that sort of snaps on the front of it that makes it totally look cooler than it already does. Uh, same same thing in John Wick, the first one. Uh, he was, I mean, he had the little baby Glock as the backup, but he was using a, a H&K P30. And it had a, it had a compensator, a custom-made compensator on the front of the barrel. Um, it, I, I couldn't tell in the movie if they were trying to treat it like it was a sound suppressor, mm. but but it was a compensator for for muzzle blast. You know, nine milli probably yeah. don't really need it. But um, explain it, that really quickly. What what does a compensator do? Okay, so a compensator's job when a when there is an explosion in a chamber, so you ignite the powder, the powder turns to a massive expansion of gas and pushes the bullet out of the barrel that will tend to take your gun off target. So it'll, it'll raise it, it'll, it'll lift it, generally lift the gun off your target, and it'll force you to kind of reacquire. A compensator on the end of the barrel vents gas, vents the gas that's expended from your, from your gun as the bullet leaves, and pushes it in a direction that keeps your firearm more on target. So you spend a less fraction of a second having to reacquire. You can kind of keep your... You can keep your firearm on target and put more rounds where you want them to go versus having to re, you know really focus on okay shit now i gotta get back on heart okay yeah that 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 makes sense yeah it makes it brings you brings you less offline so that the reacquisition of targeting is um easy. minimized minimized yeah there we go. yeah yeah so that that's when you look at the Wick movies, uh, w- one word comes to mind, and I'll say that the cartoon Archer nails it. <laughs> Tinnitus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that I, I got from when we have gone shooting was the uh, the noise surprised me. And also when they were using a suppressor, the blowback of powder surprised me. Um, yeah, you'd never hear people talk about that, but it was a constant irritation in my eyes. Absolutely. Uh, but no one ever talks about that. You just see guys walking out of cordite filled rooms. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's it. You know, that's that's one of the myths of, of Hollywood is, you know, a, a suppressor makes a, a bullet instantly silent and there's no adverse impact to the shooter. Mm-hmm. There absolutely is. Right. It's like it, the, not... the suppressed shotgun. Oh, it's oh. like, huh? 
No Country from Old for Old Men. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna add another one from that. The um, the uh, uh, the air cannon he used. Oh, <laughs> so. But go ahead. I was gonna say so uh, th- that movie I. I liked the idea, but so that movie came out with the the cylindrical suppressor on the shotgun. Uh, actually, before there was a civilian available sh- uh, shotgun suppressor, and the the civilian ones look nothing at all like that, and they sound nothing at all like that. Uh, I have uh, Silencer Co. is a company in Utah. They are, I would say, they're probably industry leader in s- making of suppressors. Mm-hmm. They released the first commercially available shotgun suppressor called the Salvo 12. Uh, it's modular. It, it comes to you, it's a foot long, and it's about, I want to say it's probably close to a pound in weight. Uh, and you can, remove sections of, you can remove sections of baffles to shorten it up, but the sacrifice is you have more noise. I have shot mine with a Benelli, uh, the same Benelli that Wick used in the second movie, it doesn't quiet it down to where it's a whisper. It makes it sound like an unmuffled 22 rifle. Mm. So it's still loud. It still has that kind of crack. It still kind of hurts if you have sensitive ears like, like I do, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's not one of those, I'm going to kill somebody in the shower of a hotel and no one's going to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, one thing I just noticed here I wanted to bring up... Um, before we moved on from the mini slash Gatling gun, mm-hmm. um, Django, the original Django. Oh. Um, first of all, iconic in that anyone walking into an old West town, dragging a coffin immediately gets noticed. Uh, but the ridiculousness of him pulling that sucker out at the end is, <laughs> is just awesome. Things like that are just, I mean, they're just fun. You know, it's it, it's easy to just say, well, that couldn't happen. But it's easier to say, that's really freaking cool. And I wish to God I'd seen something like that happen. Well, at a certain point in a lot of these films, you you kind of sign on. You know, like with, within minutes of the opening of John Wick, you kind of sign on for whatever is going to go on after totally. that. Uh, so you're almost a little forgiving of this stuff. Yeah, you have to be. I, I mean, it's... Sometimes it's, I mean, when you look at, you know, for me, when you look at the, the real world impacts of, of firearms, when they're, when they're used for, for ill and then the, the broader kind of political, should they, or shouldn't they, Hollywood, Hollywood tends to be a little bit hard because you love to see it. You can suspend, you can suspend disbelief and, and just enjoy things for what they are. But there's also part of you that realizes that there are people that can't do that that are watching these films and you don't know how it's going to impact them. Is it going to cause uh, discomfort and fear? Is it going to cause, uh, you know, plotting and, and just a sense of evil, a, a choice to do evil. It's as a, as a kind of a self-styled enthusiast in the real world. That's always at the back of my mind when I watch these things is how is this going to impact, you know, Joe moviegoer or you know Sally moviegoer how is this going to are they going to find enjoyment and treat this for the entertainment that it is or is this going to cause some level of uh, discomfort in their day-to-day lives when they leave the theater or 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 worse is it going to become almost uh, for one of a better word masturbatory yes you know I mean? yeah oh this is so cool 
Yeah, absolutely. You you do see a lot of that. You know, it's the it's the shithead walking down the street with his AR-15 on the back, right? These are people that that have these masturbatory fantasies that they are are somehow going to wander into uh, a great injustice and they are going to single-handedly, you know, save the day. Mm-hmm. Those people need help because that shit doesn't happen ever. Right, right. It reminds me of something about fighting that Rogan said. He goes, I've trained to fight my whole life, but the thought of being in a street fight frightens me. And I can't imagine going into that situation without any training. And the same thing sort of applies here. Here are these guys who who maybe go to the range once in a blue moon, once in a while, maybe even once a week. But that doesn't prepare you for an active shooter in a mall. No. It's going to. Yeah, and that's it's the it's the old adage that, you know, no plan survives initial contact with the enemy, right? I mean, people are predictable in their unpredictability. You just have to assume that, you know, what are your objectives? You know, my objectives are to get home to my family and, you know, if, if I'm there with somebody that I need to protect, get the hell out of danger. Right. Uh, the 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 protector, uh, what was that? Uh, I'm drawing a blank probably because it was a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie uh, <laughs> where he was at the igloo in Pittsburgh. He was a security guard and there were terrorists. And yeah, yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the hockey one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Penguins game, and and I'm just thinking, you should just find the first exit out and get the fuck out of there. Right, right. But right. but you know, people see those things and they're like, I'll be the hero. No, you'll get innocent people killed. Uh, it, you brought up Rogan. I, I think it's a, actually a a really good example is using his his forum. The shooting in Colorado at the movie theater. There had been a big conversation on his discussion board about it, and there was some guy who said, Well, I would have been armed and I would have shot the shooter. And he got taken to task very properly, you know, not the least of which was by me saying, no, you would have shot innocent people because it was dark, it was confusing, it was loud, and you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah. When you think about all that, you know, um, uh, you're absolutely right. It's the it's the dude in San Diego who brought a, his pistol to some film and dropped it and, yeah. and it went off. It's just, I mean, you can't legislate retardation out of society. <laughs> and and there's one thing that we have no shortage of, it's morons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I just, people make me sad. Yeah, it, and you see it a lot. And, and and some in some ways, these some of these films sort of play into that by, by, by making it like, yeah, yeah, you know, like the whole, the diehard thing, you could be John McClane. It's like, uh... <laughs> Most of you don't have the upper body strength for for half of that jumping, <laughs> hanging shit. <laughs> so, so here's my here's my sad acknowledgement. I bought a Beretta Model ninety six, which is the too. forty cal version, yeah. because of those movies. Yeah, I bought yeah, the ninety two F because of it. <laughs> okay, I don't feel so bad. Yeah, I'm no, not, I'm not the only one. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but yeah, you'll always see that. You'll see the guys uh, face off where they're. Sur- separated by a sheetrock wall <laughs> and they're blasting away and no one's hitting shit and yeah and that's and really that's the only accurate thing is in a in a gunfight most of the rounds are going to hit everything but your what you're shooting at or what you think you're shooting at because your adrenaline's up you're panicked you've got people shooting at you uh, i mean that's that's why cops are you know, I think their hit rate is maybe five percent. Is because they they shoot at everything, and then eventually, just by putting enough lead downrange, might hit their targets. Right. Um, unfortunately, you know that's a separate topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to see here. 
another cool get one that come came up was the Arsenal Firearms 2011 Dueler Prismatic. Uh, it's a side-by-side uh, 9mm. It was in... Um, as of, It was 45. It was in the most recent... It was in Spectre. Spectre is also in Resident Evil. Yeah, what a pile of shit. Um, is it really? It looks yeah, cool. It's... Well, when you look at it, you have... You have the... I think it's... Is it the single trigger? Or does it have two separate triggers? But it's basic... They basically took two 1911s and said, well, let's just weld them together and see what we have. Let's have one that ejects to the left and one ejects to the right. Um, but your, your, your axis, I mean, you're shooting, treat it like a, I guess, if it was a double barrel shotgun, sure, I get it. It's going to splatter, but it's not really a practical weapon. I mean, it looks cool, and in someone's hand like Batista, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks small, but just so impractical. <laughs> it's got to be just giant in your hand. Absolutely. I mean, Arsenal makes great rifles. I, I have a an AK pattern rifle that was imported by Arsenal, and it is it is just soup to nuts, well put together, well engineered. But I see that thing, and I'm like, really? What the fuck? <laughs> well, I, what, what is interesting to me is that um, uh, when you see these things, you think somebody's going to take that idea and run with it, and someone's <laughs> going to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's well, like, it, Reference George Carlin talking about uh, flamethrowers. You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that was done. The uh, the shotgun that uh, John Wick used, I think it was the KSG, which is a Caltech shotgun. The the one that he took in John Wick One when mm-hmm. he peppered the Tahoe. That one is, you know, it's okay. I mean, it has its problems, but there are other people that have taken that design and improved on it. Uh, there's a company called. I think it's Connecticut Arms. It's called a. It's a. The model is a DP12, and it's a side-by-side shotgun just like that. Pump, pump shotgun, and it is by all accounts, it's an an excellent performing firearm. Um, I haven't gotten a hold of one yet, but I'm sure that'll change at some point. <laughs> I, I got I'm gonna have to get rid of a couple of shotguns before I do that because at this point, it's kind of a sickness. Right, right. <laughs> that's that's so funny. Uh, let's see. One of the th- ones that my wife mentioned that ma- made me laugh was the soap gun from oh. Money and Run. That just made me laugh. Um, Woody Allen. Yeah, fucking great. It, it's well, it's, it was funny. I mean, Woody Allen was always good with that stuff. I mean, he, uh, you know, before it got into the you know, pederific aspect of his life. I mean, he he could take things and exaggerate them and and make them funny. And that's that's just a great example of of kind of the the genius that was his early work no, his early work i mean i love absolutely love love and death i think yes. love and death is so great i think once he started to try to become bergman it it, it kind of went off the rails but I yeah agree. i agree that early stuff is fucking hilarious but i thought anyway that was funny give me another one um i'll give you one and why it was inspired so the the AR-15 carbine, so collapsible stock AR-15, uh, where it was most notable, in my opinion, was the L.A. shootout in the movie Heat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck, I even forgot that. Jesus Christ. So I think, they, from a tactics perspective, they were trapped. The way they were advancing and protecting one another and, and having to watch you know, behind them because the cops are coming at all angles. Uh, the police weren't getting protection behind doors. Um, 
they they had a little bit of the kind of the Rambo endless quiver with their ammo, mm-hmm. which was a little bit of a. I mean, they did reload, but there were times where they were like, no, that was sixty rounds, and that's a thirty round mag. <laughs> but but that was so epic in terms of street battles. I, I would not be surprised if that drove a lot of people to start. More, taking more and more an interest in the AR-15. Mm-hmm. I mean, the AR-15 has been a, a great semi-automatic rifle for for decades, but it it seems to me that it just my perception only after that movie, you know, and you had The Rock around the same time where you know Nick Cage and Sean Connery did their thing, but it was after Heat was when I started noting noticing people in my circles starting to purchase Car 15s. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's such a great well done scene the movie's great but that scene specifically is just off the charts totally i mean even to the to the end of the shootout when he pops um god what's his name i'm drawing a blank michael what was it? no yeah, not mike no um i don't know i've seen it doesn't matter yeah. but when he sh- shot the guy carrying the kid uh and the, which ended kind of that whole aspect of the shootout it was just like oh, damn i i mean i probably the next the next actual scene in a movie that that made me drop my job was probably the the first five minutes of Saving Private Ryan. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. Have you seen Hacksaw Ridge? Not yet. I actually have it on order. It gets here on Thursday. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I I am interested in seeing um, seeing it because I think Mel does that kind of stuff really really well. Ab- uh, absolutely. Let's see here. I'm going to throw out because uh, I'm old. The Winchester model 1982 with large lever in the rifleman. Nice. Yeah, I love that. I grew up loving that show and that gun of his. Talk about Excalibur, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, was it Lucas? Uh, Lucas. So yeah, I forget his last name. Yeah, it was, I, it was Chuck Connors and uh, that kid. Yeah, the, the goofy little bastard that was. <laughs> is like you're really his son? Chuck Connors is he's he's a man's man. Yeah, he's like in that class with people like Lee Marvin and, you know, Marvin had a lot of cool guns too, point blank and was always there with something interesting. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, staying on the, staying on the kind of the old school, um, one of the things that I went to was the good, bad and the old, uh, good, the bad and the ugly. uh, And that was the Colts that they all use, the the Navy Colts. Mm -hmm. And, And this was about... I don't know if if the I, th- I believe these were cartridge. In this was an era when revolvers were transitioning from, you know, percussion ball and cap to to actual cartridges and rounds. So it was it was really new technology. But but that was a time when you know Colts set the standard for revolvers and just the way that they used their firearms in that movie was just it was art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of Eastwood, and, and we mentioned the forty four, but also that long pistol in High Plains Drifter. Oh, yes. Yeah, so cool looking. E- Eastwood has gotten to do some of the coolest shit. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he had that, he, I mean, he, he lost his revolver. I think he lost his revolver in Sudden Impact, and that's when they gave him the auto mag. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, probably the first time I'd ever seen a semi-auto forty four. Uh, at least until, you know, Desert Eagles became kind of, the big thing in the eighties with the, with the 50 AE, the three two seven, and the 44. But, but those things are goddamn hand cannons. I mean, you have to be, it's a freaking Magnum round. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Very cool. 
Um, what else you got? Uh, here's one um, from. You remember the movie Hard Target? Lance Henriksen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, his single shot Thompson contender. Yeah, that's a great gun. What do you say? Load me. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, single shot at the the base of the trigger. You you basically pull on that to to pop the breech open, and then it'll eject the casing. Uh, Thompson's come in, once you own the action. So basically, the the trigger and the the assembly for firing, you can buy any kind of barrel for that. You can buy anything from 22 long rifle up to 45 and even some crazier rifle calibers. And that, that's just the beauty of the Thompson platform. And, and I think that one was, uh, I think that was a 4570 government, which was, a, is just a freaking monster round. That's one of those. If you have to go up against a bear back in that time, you know, back in the early, you know, mid 1900s, yeah. that's the round you want to have. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Cause I remember her dropping it in. Yeah. It was just so, so very cool. That's a great movie. A lot really of people is. shit on it, but it's, it's actually the shit. There's an uncut version bouncing around. That's really great. Oh, now I got to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's got a it's got a sex scene between Van Damme and uh, Yancey Butler. So Really? Yeah, uh, not... I'll, I'll definitely see it. See it for the uh, Yancey Butler, not so much. <laughs> not for, not for the mulleted Van you know, Damme. That uh that kind of reminded me of the Calico M950 and 950A in the crow. <sighs> yes. Yeah, that's a cool gun too. Yeah, you know, I felt bad uh those disappeared pretty much just their big thing was they had the the magazine on top the helical feed mag uh the nine mils could hold 50 rounds the uh the 22s could hold 100 rounds but after the the 94 weapons ban uh the the 10-year ban under the clinton administration there was people were like okay well the value of these guns are zero so they just disappeared Mm. And I don't think I've I've seen them used on market before, but I don't think I've seen one in a movie since probably the early two thousands. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was cool. It was, it's a cool one. All right, they, they look they look spacey too, which is yeah. you know, kind of nice. It's kind of a cool bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we talked about Scarface, the M sixteen M two hundred three. We we have to go. We got to get into a little bit of shotgun. This is my boomstick, the Winchester Model thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you know it's kind of low rent in terms of twelve gauges. There there are much better shotguns out there. In fact, I don't even know if that was a, sh- a twelve gauge. It might have been a twenty. But is there at least in the kind of horror comedy genre, is there a more iconic weapon than Ash's shotgun? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, that's that's on my list as well. Nice, <laughs> absolutely. Um, what else? Were, go ahead. I was gonna say, what else you got? Oh, I got, uh, speaking of shotguns, I'm going to throw in the shotgun cross in, um, from Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll, I'll watch anything that Harvey Keitel's in. I Absolutely. mean, he's, he's, he's kind of like, uh, uh, crap, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's in that TV show, The Blacklist. Oh, uh, yeah, James Spader. James Spader, thank you. I, I'll listen to him read the phone book. Yeah, absolutely. And is just one of those. Um, it, the... What what did you like most about it? Was it just the way he used it, or I just thought it was a novel idea the i the idea of taking something and using it to not only rack rounds but also present a cross. I just thought that was really smart, really inventive. And, and you had mentioned shotguns, and it's one of the ones I immediately think of. Oh yeah, it, it's so well done. I mean, that that was a fun movie, and mm-hmm. you know, Salma Hayek in a bikini. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I did. 
I did press for that movie when it first came out. We went and saw it in L.A. and we did okay. rounds of interviews and stuff with uh, uh, Rodriguez and Salma Hayek and a couple of other ones. And uh, uh, yeah, I was I couldn't figure it out. I thought, oh, we're gonna this is another Tarantino thing. thing. And then the entire film t- sort of spins out and becomes something even cooler. Completely different. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I did not see that coming. Uh, I mean, that makes me think a little bit of uh, Desperado with uh, Antonio yeah. Banderas. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of kind of gun porn. Um, you know, from a a lot of a lot of Rugers, a lot of Ruger semi-automatics used in that. Um, the gun snob in me, it's like, no, I don't want that shit near me. Um, <laughs> but and, and also that's. He does this thing in the bar scene where he's he's flicking his wrists as he shoots. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's required to do that to make the gun fire, and and you're like that that's poor hygiene. And then there's part of you that's like, but he's using the Ruger P90s, so he might actually have to do that. So <laughs> you might as well just along. just throw the fucking gun at him. It's going to be about the same. So yeah, I had forgotten about that about Desperado, and there's some great stuff in there. You're absolutely right ridiculousness in a lot of ways, but very cool. Oh yeah. The first movie I remember seeing Danny Trejo and you know, then of course he rolls back into heat. So we found our six degrees of Kevin Bacon there. Uh (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to throw out the Zorg ZF one from fifth element. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) which is in our, which is in our intro. Um, Just because I think it's, 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 it's gun porn to the. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> like let's let's make a gun that does everything. The net, yeah. the smart bullets, and then self destruct was the replay the thing was very cool. It's very <laughs> very cool. And another one that comes up in that same sort of line of thinking was Judge Dredd's Lawgiver. Yes, I mean that, that's kind of especially with sci fi. I mean that's that's a standard of yeah. smart weapons. Yeah. Um, you know it's. The, the biometric, you know, you see it a little bit even in, in James Bond. It wouldn't even surprise me if they borrowed from it where the gun is coded to the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, in, in the real world, there is, you hear a lot of that conversation and you're like, yeah, that's, that's still mostly sci-fi, but, right. but it's, but it's really goddamn cool. Yeah. 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 They, they keep talking about fingerprinting and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, biometrics, the, the, the thing, the thing that will stop biometrics is, until it hits a hundred percent accurate and functional, then great. Like zero instant delay. You know, if your life depends on it, I myself exist as the example of where biometrics don't work. And that's because I don't have usable fingerprints. Um, and, and that's not some coincidence. Weird... <laughs> to- it actually totally is. I, uh, I had gotten fingerprinted. I was I was getting fingerprinted for the FBI. Uh, they, they issue a, a thing. It's called a universal pin. That when you buy a firearm, if you list your your universal pin, when they do the background check on you, it's an additional reference point that you're okay. Mm. And I had my fingerprints taken at the police department. And they were like, "Huh, this is odd." The you know, you, you don't really have usable prints, but okay, we'll print them out anyway. Sent them to the FBI. The FBI sent them back and said, "You." you need to send us prints that work, which, you know, kind of sucks. But then to, to support that, when I moved back to Oregon on Halloween, I I got my concealed license for Oregon and they, they do the computer fingerprinting. They had to 
keep rolling my fingers over and over and overriding the computer because it couldn't pick up enough points to identify it as a fingerprint. Wow. So, so the guy just looked at me and was like, you're not going to commit crimes, are you? I'm like, not that you'll know. And he, <laughs> he laughed and said, all right, you're fine. Yeah. So it, but it's, I, I'm not, I'm not an exception to that. There are plenty of people like me that, you know, they either spend years at a keyboard typing hard or they work with chemicals and something happens or they get in a wreck fire. Uh, and, so that they're going to have to find a solution for that it, before they roll that out as a, a viable solution for the population. Right, because the first time someone it doesn't read someone's fingerprint and they need it and they die, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that that's a lawsuit. And at the end of the day, money talks regardless of what uh, politics say on either side. Right, right. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, one of the things I tr- I have tried to avoid was guns in games because I think that's an entire different situation. Uh. But but two I wanted to bring up was the Mark II Lancer from Gears of War with the with the chainsaw bayonet, <laughs> <laughs> and again that's just someone being silly I think that's that that's just fun yeah and then the MA five B individual combat weapon system in Halo the the rifle from Halo yeah you Both know those are pretty iconic for sure um, I used to work with the I mean when I was at Microsoft. I were we I was there when we ha- we bought Bungie and, and then when we kind of kicked Bungie to the curb and the guy who designed the Master Chief um he was he was very big on Nathan Wapples his name he was very big on you know firepower and the warthog and the master chief and all that and and I always found it kind of funny cuz in in quote unquote real life I mean he's a Canadian Mm-hmm. And and I don't think he. I think when I talked to him, I don't think he'd actually even shot a gun at that point. So I was like, <laughs> you know, bless your heart for putting some firepower there. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird. It's like archaeologically looking at it, you know. Totally. Yeah, yeah. All right, what else you got? Um, I've got Clint Eastwood. Bring him back. Uh, his M1 from Gran Torino. Oh yeah. Uh, and and the reason I I had that on there is, uh, it, it's kind of like the. Um, Scarface quote, right? The, Get off my lawn. Yeah. You know, Clint standing out there with his, his old kind of Korean War M1. Um, you know, it's nothing special. You know, old surplus gun. But, you know, kind of like him, though, right? It was out of place but for the time, but still deadly effective. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, I love that movie. I know. My wife, is, she's all, other than the races, and that's kind of where you're heading. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I get that candy calls me walt from time to time she's like you're just you're fucking walt kowalski <laughs> I'm like but i don't hate different people she's like no you just hate people I'm like, yeah. yeah we're good yeah yeah absolutely that's <laughs> that's fucking funny uh let's see one more um where did it go where did it go the Browning Auto Rifle, uh, the bar, <sighs> the Bar M nineteen eighteen variant in Omega Man with that big infrared <laughs> bulb on it, just the big cool. flashlight. Oh, yeah. totally. Just cool. well, the bar is just you know it's a badass rifle from U.S. history anyway. I mean, you know it, it was a it's a squad weapon. You you carried that in the war and and you were expected to tear shit up, yeah. <laughs> just like Omega Man, right? I mean, he yeah. did damage. Yeah, so great. I, you know, I, I love that movie. I saw, I saw Mega Man in a double feature with THX eleven thirty eight, and it was really, it was great. Yeah, just as a small boy, it was great. I, you know, I love Heston, and I, just, it was great about the movie because I mean, he was just he. 
And he's just like, oh, got to kill more people. And he just went out and just did it. Yeah. And kind of, you know, kind of how he lived his life. He was just yeah. kind of like, F it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so funny. He gets a little dodgy later, but, you know. But even then, he he was just such this lantern-jawed dude. And unabashedly who he was, you know. Totally. Right. I mean, it, it, he's a man's man. Yeah. 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 Then we, we don't get a lot of those anymore, you know. Guys that are just, they smoked hard, they drank hard. They they hoard around, you know. What's the Lee Marvin of today? What do we got? Well, Colin Farrell or nah? I don't even close. We've got Metro, and it's funny because I'm I'm in the process uh, for Cardio Days at the gym. I'm rewatching Patton. Oh, and, there you go. And watching the iconic speech at the beginning with George C. Scott talking about things, I'm like, you would hate 21st century America. <laughs> yeah, you would. Supposedly, Patton had a really high voice. He probably did. Oh, yeah. he's, he, you, you have to be compensating to do the shit he did. <laughs> okay, so give you another one. Um, this one, I ended up actually putting it on my list after I looked at the, the comments from your folks oh. on Facebook. And it was the, uh, the 38 used by M- Michael Corleone in the, the assassination scene in The Godfather. Oh, wow. And the reason I put that, the reason it stood out to me is, you know, it was this loud, snubby revolver kind of, you know, it was all dark. It was a dark scene. And of the of the early movies that I saw, that scene was outside the the sunny assassination with the with the Thompsons. That was probably one of the most graphic scenes I'd seen on film. Mm-hmm. And it just it stood it still stands with me. I can watch that and, and it's powerful. I love. Godfather one and two are just the shit. I Absolutely, any 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 day of the week. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's great. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go silly. The Bushmaster carbine with Cobra 37 millimeter launcher. Cherry Darling's <laughs> leg in Planet Terror. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, you are going silly. Yeah, that's it's utterly ridiculous. But wow, was that cool? Yeah, Bushmaster. Oh, God. So, yeah, it's funny. Bushmaster as a company doesn't actually exist as Bushmaster anymore um, because they made the AR-15 that that little bastard in Connecticut used to kill those kids. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and the thing about it is AR, an AR rifle is an AR rifle is an AR rifle. They they generally use the same parts. There are some differences. You know, are they direct impingement, gas operated, are they piston? Yeah, but that's that's those are those are ex, I don't want to call it accessories because they affect the function of the rifle, but in a day-to-day use they don't really matter. But the Bushmaster line of AR15s was about as low as you could get. It, it's kind of like the George, George Zimmerman had a Caltech 9 mil that he used to commit his act of violence. Most self-respecting handgun owners won't own a Caltech. You're like, oh, you have a Caltech. You're poor, mm. right? You know that that's that's kind of where it is. It's like if it goes off, hopefully it goes in the direction you want it to. Uh, so Bushmaster was kind of low rent. Uh, they have actually after that and the lawsuits, they they shut down that name and they rebranded themselves. And now they, funny enough, they, their quality control has gone up. And they still sell kind of low cost, low end, uh, stripped down AR-15s, but uh, they have a their their new company has a pretty good reputation. It's called Wyndham. Hmm. Totally random, random bit of information you didn't need, but no, that's you know. that's great. That's great. No, I, I just thought it was one of those things where, I mean, you didn't see it before and you haven't seen it since. 
Yeah. But it's it's definitely sort of in the wheelhouse here. Oh, for sure. Let's see. What else do we got? We're winding down here. I'm running out of titles. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of generics. I, I kind of peanut butter these. Uh, you know, the AK-47. And when I think about the, the first movie, I remember that being prominent was Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the AK, it's the Eastern Bloc. It's the, you know, started with the Russians when they came up with it, they created it. Uh, There are so, it's kind of like the AR. There's just so many variants out there uh, that it's easy to just say, Oh, that's an AK 47. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's an iconic weapon. It's just, when you see it, you know, red dawn, right? The, uh, the Cubans had the AK 47. So it's always the rifle. The bad guys have. Yeah, absolutely. With that banana clip and that weird, sight in the front yeah absolutely i had heard that they use them a lot because they um parts are everywhere they are i mean every third world country manufactures them um and and i'll tell you as as someone who has shot my fair share of of ar platform rifled and ak platform rifles i really like the ak Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's light it's well balanced it will shoot Anything. In fact, there's a. If you really want to, you want to get some good information on the AK AKM platform. Jim Fuller owns a company called Rifle Dynamics. He does. He basically will take an AK rifle and customize it. Basically, you know, tune it. He, he's a he's a rifle tuner as well as a manufacturer, and and he does some really good. He he drops a lot of really good knowledge bombs on various podcasts about the history of the AK and the AKM today. Uh, like for example, you know how did how did the, how were the Russians or whoever had the AK supposed to clean them after shooting them? You're supposed to throw it in the river because <laughs> a, a lot of the surplus ammunition that these these countries use is, use corrosive primers. So when you shoot it, you need to clean your barrel. Otherwise, corrosion will start setting in, you know, within hours. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You, you throw it in the river. How's the best way to clean that out? Water. Done. Wow. They, they will fire in any condition. They're just where, – where the AR is more kind of like a Corvette, you know, you, you want it tuned right. And if, if it's missing on the cylinder, you, you need to figure it out real quick. Uh, the AK could be a rusted truck with, you know, running on three of six. I mean, the, <laughs> the thing is just going to work. Right on. Yeah, it's, and, you see, and you're right. You do see it in the hands of uh, all the bad guys. It's almost yeah. the way they like, oh, it's Russian. Yep. They must be bad. <laughs> well, full circle, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to go with uh, Vera, a modified Sega 12 from Serenity. <laughs> it was yeah. uh, uh, Baldwin's gun. You, you have hands-on experience with the Sega 12. Yeah, yeah. It was a, that was a fun gun. Yeah. So I didn't realize it was a Sega. That's uh, yeah, that that's was, cool. that was according to the firearms database. Well, know. they're they're probably right. Again, you know, shut-ins. Um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the whole Serenity slash Firefly universe was fun. I mean, it, it, to me, uh, I, I like the technology meets Wild West. Uh, it made me think of an episode of the show where there was a a rare laser pistol. We never got to see it used, but it was called the Lassiter. Mm. Uh, and they were, he was conscripted to steal it from uh, this gal's husband and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, oh, yeah, laser pistols. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you see him everywhere. I, I found, uh, let's see, the fa- there's a phaser rifle all over Star Trek. Oh, yeah. 
there's a dis- something called a pistol called the disruptor that was in Dis- Galaxy Quest. Yes. Uh, yep. Which is very, it's all very. Someone showed me a picture of the Star Trek gun, and I'm all, that's either from Star Trek or Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> and it was turned out to be that the, the design could have been like revs, you know. Uh, it, it makes sense, especially with what Galaxy Quest was there to parody. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that was. I, I love the sci- that's the best part of sci-fi too is because you're like it's fiction I can do whatever the hell I want yeah 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 um, I would say another one and this is just kind of peanut buttering across movies is uh, the HK MP5 yeah uh, MP5 subgun has been around forever uh, it used to be you'd, you'd see it with terrorists and now it's with special ops guys but it is you know a compact generally nine millimeter automatic or select fire submachine gun which would just be so goddamn cool down <laughs> it's that little square thing that people pull out of their jackets yeah yeah, yeah the MP, like the mp5k yeah. the the small ones um sig sauer released the mpx with the hopes that it would become kind of the new generation the civilian ownable uh mp5 replacement even though you know it's h and k is they replaced the uh, the MP5 with the UMP. I think it was the UMP. Uh, but but Sig Sauer said, "Hey, we're going to make a civilian semi-automatic MP5-like weapon that anyone can own." Uh, and it's instead of being built the way like an MP5 is, it's actually built very similar similarly to an AR uh, AR platform rifle. Uses an AR lower. Uses the same concepts between every bit of functioning that the MPX. Yeah, Cool. Let's see. What else you got? I'm running out. Um, I'm off this list. I'm actually, I think, I think we got all of them. Okay. Uh, I, I'll bounce through a couple real quick then. That They're just mostly fantasy weapons, so we'll just sort of acknowledge them. Number one, the noise, Noisy Cricket from Men in Black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People kept bringing that up, which I thought was interesting. Um, uh, the What I'm calling the Flesh Pistol in Videodrome. Oh. <laughs> which looked like a little small nine with goop on it. Well, and then you have the, uh, how about the firecracker gun from Logan's run? Yeah. Yeah. I have that. Yeah. Um, that, that was, that was fun. Yeah. Didn't make a lot of sense. Just some lights. Yeah. You know, that was just not making any noise. on <laughs> <laughs> Well, it reminds me of those, those like cap pistols or those little, uh, uh, pistols that you could buy as a kid when you'd pull the trigger, it would spin a wheel and make sparks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. There's the cigarette case lighter gun in Man from the Golden Gun with the Golden Gun. Yes, Hold which on. looked looked a little like a Luger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of give, gives you the German kind of, you know, you have a Nazi yeah, kind of bad guy thing. Which is really interesting because supposedly Bond was very much based on Christopher Lee. Fleming, really? Fleming and him were friends. And there's a great story with Christopher Lee. They were in a film somewhere, and in the film, he was supposed to stab someone. And uh, the guy made a noise, and Lee corrected him. He's like, that's not the sound that someone makes when they're stabbed. And he said, said, supposedly said it with such, like, conviction. Like, it was clear he'd stabbed someone before. And he had this whole secret agent life before uh, as an actor. Uh, Let's see. The Samaritan and Big Baby from Hellboy. Yes. Just big. Cool looking. Well, I, I love Ron Perlman. I do too. I actually uh, interviewed him for an old 
some movie he did with um, uh, Bunraku. And he said, it was interesting, he said his favorite filmmaker was Frank Capra. I'm like, really? What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but that's cool. I follow him on Facebook because he's he's very prolific in selfies, but mm-hmm. he just he just is he also has one of those voices. I mean, yeah. he, he voiced uh, he did voice work on the Fallout series. Uh, you know, war never changes. I mean, he just has one of those. He he has a presence. So yeah, he 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 was Hellboy, absolutely. Yeah, him and um, Rooker, they just yes. like they're having fun and they. Um... Yeah, just, it's kind of very, very interesting. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to throw obliquely the tooth gun from Existence. It's very okay. similar to Videodrome. And the the composite pistol in, in the line of fire that John Malkovich oh. uses. Yes. I don't, I, I'm betting that that is not based anywhere in, in science, but it was <laughs> cool. And then a couple of goofy things. Uh, I'm going to throw in the proton pack from Ghostbusters, which is kind of a gun. And the BFG from Doom. I was hoping you were going to get to that one. <laughs> yeah, when you were when you were talking about the video game ones earlier, I, I just kept thinking BFG, BFG, yeah. BFG. Yeah. But but I mean that you know in terms of of weapons, when people think you know video game weapons, the the big fucking gun is the one that people think about. Even kids that have never seen the original Doom know what BFG is. Mm-hmm. Oh God, there's kids today that. Have never played the original Doom. Let that sink in for a minute. I know, isn't that weird? Uh, old. So... <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to run through the rest of this list real quick. Uh, the Auto Nine. It's a modified Beretta 93R from Robocop. Robocop. Yep. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. 93R is a three-round burst Beretta. Uh, it it was kind of a big deal about the same time the Glock Model 18 people had a hard on over that mm-hmm. couldn't get them in the states but it was a fully automatic nine millimeter pistol. Yeah, yeah, kind of cool. Um, and then uh, there's a Bren MK1 from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. <laughs> yeah, which is another one of those clear the room, re re replaster everything. <laughs> that they I, I know they're you know, when they they start when guy that was a Guy Ritchie movie wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see him do another one like that. He he did those pretty well. I you know what, rock and roller, rock and roller was great. There's another one yes. that, that with Statham in prison. I forget what it's called. But uh, uh, St- Statham in prison can't end well for anybody. <laughs> no, this is a uh, revolver. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, really, I remember. I like the revolver. Um, let's see. Before we wind up and move on, is there anything we've forgotten here? I've got a couple more, but they're mostly. Um, Standard stuff. There's the two nine millimeters from Boondock Saints. There's the Smith and Wesson forty five oh six dash one from the Shield. You know the, um, the silver ballers from Hitman. I would say since you mentioned Bren, what stood out to me, I remember watching, you know, staying up on Friday night watching Miami Vice, was the giant. What I thought at the time was a forty five that Sonny Crockett carried, and I didn't find out till later that he was actually carrying a Bren ten. It's a ten millimeter, and and there is a stark difference in shooting a forty five and a ten mil. Forty five is a larger diameter bullet, but a ten millimeter, it, it's it's a lot more aggressive to shoot. So I, I actually had more respect watching how you know theatrically accurate he was in in 
you know, shooting out light bulbs and lampposts and all that with a 10 mil. Uh, I, I've shot 10 mils and I don't fucking like them. Um, I love Why? my 45s uh, because they hit hard. And for me, the, the amount of recoil they generate for whatever reason, I have a, I have a more difficult time getting back on target quickly than I do with a 45. Hmm. That could just be because I have little, you know, tiny T-Rex arms, but, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I, when I, on the off chance, the rare chance that I actually carry, I carry a, a 40 cal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just my caliber of preference. It, it has been. It, it's not any better or worse than anything else. It's just what I like. Yeah. Uh, the the second is a 45, and then I would say a 9 mil. But um, yeah, 10 mil. It's it just it feels like a bigger boy gun. Isn't that what co- a lot of cops are carrying now? Um, you know, some are. I, I think there was a big move to 40 uh, in the late 90s because. People, it's kind of like the old, uh, like petrol heads. There's no, there's no replacement for displacement, Mm -hmm. but bullet tech and even the powders have changed so much that you're seeing a lot of people, even the feds, the FBI's have moved off 40 cal and moved back to nine mil. And a lot of it is you still have high capacity. You have highly effective rounds and and there is less recoil and less muzzle flip in a nine mil. So those follow up shots are going to be right where you want to. And it's, it's less of an effort to keep on target. Right on. Uh, Cause I had read that they, that's where they were heading, but I was with the many, anything budget cuts and stuff changes everything. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the almighty dollar is King. Right. Right. Um, do you have anything else before we move on? I just got, there's not much here. No, I'm good. All right. Um, again, you know, the, the, uh, there's a lot of nine millimeters here in like face off and that kind of stuff. Um, all right. So moving on to news, uh, let's just, uh, I just got a few things and, and most of them aren't too exciting. Um, the first pick of Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins got hit the internet this week. I, I don't really understand what this, what this is and why we're doing it, but, um, you know, it looks okay. I don't know if you've seen the, the image. I, I saw the, the back of her head and yeah, I'll mean. leave the jokes alone there. Um, it's, it's, it's a cash grab, you yeah, know, it's, it's so. making it a, another generational movie to, to, you know, capture our nostalgia and get a new crop of kids. Well, it becomes uh, like what we're seeing now with Jungle Book and, and Disney seems pretty intent on doing live action versions of all of their classic animated films. Yep. And, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. We're going to get to that. Well, as we get to that now, um, there's a controversy with the new Beauty and the Beast because one of the characters is uh, same sex. Yeah. Uh, pe- people are canceling it. And I, and I, I don't know when I hear this stuff, it really makes my, my butt itch because we're it's 2017 and we're still arguing this shit it's just it, it my perspective it's kind of like the whole bathroom identity stuff i i don't give a shit mm-hmm. um the only thing i care about like when i'm taking a piss is that i'm not pissing on my shoes <laughs> yeah. and and when i'm successful and i i miss my shoes i'm happy and if somebody identifies one way or the other odds are they're gonna I, not be standing next to me they're gonna be in a stall still don't give a shit you know well, it, it's it's like sexual orientation 
it doesn't impact me. I don't, I don't give a shit. Well, two thoughts on that. Number one, I saw a meme that showed a porta potty and said, these have been transgender for years and no one's had a fucking problem with it. <laughs> and uh, number two, I agree with you about orientation. I've said it on the show before where it, it doesn't seem to be my business until you are at the foot of my bed, taking your pants off. Exactly. Suddenly it becomes my interest. I'm, I'm interested, but for the most part, I just don't understand. And I think it's more of what we've seen, you know, not to get too political, but it's what we see with people, imposing their worldview on others and 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 being ridiculous i don't understand how this matters at all on the other hand i don't understand what was to be gained by the adaptation of the character from what was essentially just a hanger on to now is is something more yeah i and and i'll I, I will respect the avoiding kind of the political, but with the the whole social justice movement and media narratives, and and I will I will be very transparent. I have nothing but disdain for twenty uh, first century media, just because it's it's shameless ad selling and narrative spinning. It's not actual reporting anymore. Um, th- this it's non news, right? I mean. It's it's a non-issue that people have generated into more of an issue than 98% of the people actually care about. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I just don't, um, I just don't get it. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's all we can go on and on about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looks like they're tr- they're still trying to reboot Tron. Oh uh, but, no! But they've got Jared Leto now involved, and I just don't know. If this is anything that we need to worry about Tron. No. I I'm a fan of the original. I I will always love it for uh, whatever faults it might have. Uh, the second one was tough to watch. It's I, I just, pretty. Yeah, I mean it's it's gorgeous what they can do now. But at, at this point, you know, it's uh, let the horse be dead. Yeah, I just think in a world where isn't it novel? He's in a video game when so much <laughs> of our lives are run by video games now, and so much of our kids are immersed in it. It just doesn't take on that whole mystical realm thing anymore well and kids kids today don't really they can't relate to what arcades were like right exactly i mean i mean when you see flins i'm like oh my god it's flins and people look at me like what what the fuck is that i'm like just (laughs) never mind never mind never mind this i'm just an old man yelling here get off my lawn (laughs) uh let's see donnie yen gonna do a movie based on the video game sleeping dogs Really? Which I, I would argue Donnie Yen's been doing for the last 20 years. <laughs> that, that's probably fair. I uh, he, was, he was the one memorable character to me in Rogue One that I actually had an emotional response when he reached the end of his story. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, I don't understand it with Donnie Yen because I, 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 he's, he was raised in Boston. I mean, he speaks <laughs> English really, really well. So I don't understand where he would have uh, an advantage over someone like the transition they tried to do with Jet Li to bring him to America. I think Donnie Yen would be a natural, and I just think that he he's has a history of working in a in the in the um, Hong Kong film industry, which is brutal to its people. Um, uh, people get hurt on those sets, and um, uh, so he would have a he has a work ethic that's a step above. Um, but then when you see him appear in things, well, that was Jet Li. When like when Jet Li appears in Expendables, he's just this there for a joke, yeah. And for a scene or two, I just don't understand why American American audiences do that. 
it's it's a failing. Uh, it's funny when you said from Boston. I, I every time I hear Boston, I think of Bill Burr saying, "Boston's just a racist San Francisco." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking brutal. <laughs> um, let's see. They're gonna do a. Sp- I don't know know why, but they're uh, from Transformers. They're spinning off a Bumblebee <sighs> movie. Oh Jesus! Uh, I can proudly say, like the Fast and Furious franchise, I've never seen a minute of the Transformers movies. I saw the first one or two and got the gist. I don't get it, and I don't understand why. Like, not the last one, the, not the new one, but the one before it. It was two hours and forty-five minutes. Oh I Jesus! I don't get that at all. The only thing that makes me want to bring this up is that they're, they've slated the director to be. The guy, Travis Knight, who directed Kubo and the Two String. Really? Which was all stop motion, which I guess makes sense when you when you look at the CG um, clusterfuck that this thing is undoubtedly going to be. Yeah, that was uh, Kubo and the Two Strings was a partnership with, I think it was Leica, Leica. Uh, a company that's uh, the, I believe it's Phil Knight's son is the head of, uh, Phil Knight, founder of Nike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Langley is huge friends with those guys, and we've we've talked about like a to great length here on the show. Nice, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense that they're going to get that guy, and it, it's great that they're going to uh, let him branch out. It's the same way the director of uh, the Lego Batman movie uh, is talking about doing a live action thing now. So interesting. Kind of oh, here. is that the Nightwing thing? Yeah. Okay. I'm down. I'd be totally down for that as long as. It's it's everything that I I love in in the world. It's you know totally. it's, it's Batman. It's, it's he's fights with sticks. It's <laughs> there's a coming of age in there somewhere. I'm I'm sure that it would be you know uh, and and with the the advent of things like Logan, where not only is Logan doing really really well, but a lot of people are are finally coming to the realization that R-rated movies can be used for to tell really important stories based in the comic book world where you're not going to get that with a PG 13 Avengers movie. Agreed. Yeah. I think you're right. I think Nightwing has a lot of, it has a lot of upside, a lot of very good potential upside based on, you know, director and content, Mm -hmm. you know, don't be afraid of the R. Yeah, I, I think so. I think there are certain movies that demand it. I would love to do, you know, they're talking about this. Uh, we talked about this in a couple episodes ago, but, um, they're courting Mel Gibson to do Suicide Squad 2. Uh, and my argument is give give Mel Gibson an R-rated Batman movie with Bat, with Ben Affleck and you couldn't pry me out of the theater. Yeah, that would that would deliver. Yeah. Um I think if they had let David Ayer make them and I think you said this too and I agreed with it, let him make the movie he is able to make and and take the safeties off. Mm-hmm. And I think Suicide Squad goes from sad comedy to um must watch in the DC universe. And, and I know it made a, a shit ton of money. Yeah, that but, doesn't mean anything. It yeah. should have been Dirty Dozen. It should have been Kelly's Heroes. It should yes. have been, you know, all of uh, that Cap- stuff. Capitan Conan, right? I mean it's add that to your obscure movie list uh, but yeah i mean it, it should there should be a body count and yeah. it should be the protagonists yeah absolutely absolutely um let's see a couple of trailers came out this week some were good some were bad um i want to start with this new deadpool 2 thing did you check those out i did uh i don't i mean the deadpool 2 thing is funny i don't know that it does anything more than just 
you know, give us a little moment. I, I worry that, I mean, I know there's been a lot of churn around director and such, and they've got the, the John Wick director now for Deadpool two, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, but I'm afraid that, they will they they could do two things in my opinion that would be terrible they could do same formula as number 1 for number 2 mm-hmm. or they could try to take deadpool too much further in and try to develop him in in ways that the character really isn't designed to go mm-hmm. a, and just adding all that complexity i know they're talking about x force and cable cable would be cool if they cast it right but just if they take it too far they could they could lose a lot of the audience that, that got excited about the first one. Agreed. I think that they, uh, the problem is that I worry about is the first film was sort of done. Um, just, I think to appease this voice coming out of the internet that want, said they wanted it. So it, a lot of that film got shot up in Vancouver and a lot of it was done sort of, uh, uh, away from prying eyes there wasn't a lot of studio involvement and then this film came out and was huge and now it's on the studio's radar and now the studio is like we want to we want to get as much revenue from this pr- property as possible and when you talk about not adapting an existing storyline and now you're coming up with something new or what have you there's always going to be that impetus of well, what are the, what's going to get the audience excited never mind yeah. whether it applies to the story is it going to be cool to look at? And I think that's usually where they fuck up. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great observation. I mean, for me, if they want to do a good script, just say, have like two hours of, let Ryan Reynolds be Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's fucking Deadpool. I mean, he, yeah. You read the character and you're like, I can see that. So I, I don't know. I, I have hopes that they do it well. The, the trailer was exactly what I thought it would be, underwhelming. Um, it, we'll see in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, let's see. Train Spotting 2. Um, I was a fan of the first one. I didn't get it, the reverence that a lot of people do with that film. But um, this new one looks perfectly fine. Yeah. I, I agree. I have, having watched the trailer, I, I'm with you on the first one. I thought it was a good movie, but it wasn't one that I felt the need to rewatch every opportunity I could. Mm-hmm. Um, It'll be very interesting. The, the trailer tells me that they've put a lot of thought into how they grew the characters over 20 years. I mean, the actors gotten better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they've, they have their own professional depth that they can bring to the table. Um, but, you know, yeah, it, it's one I'll see uh, because I, I, think it's more, I think it's more solid. Yeah, it seems more, has have a more base in story and not like, kind of like that whole Guy Ritchie stuff of let's just have fun with these characters and put them into predicaments and yada, yada, yada. But it looks like there's some real growth here. Yeah. Uh, the other one that, the one that really I didn't know nothing about was The Promise, this Christian Bale thing. And the dude that plays, uh, was in uh, the first Star, uh, Force Awakens. Yep. Um, I forget his name. Oscar uh, Isaac or Isaac Oscar. Yeah, or there you go. One or the other. For me, this looked like Oscar bait. Could yeah. be. Just like this is, we, we're going to do something with a lot of weight and gravitas, and and um, uh, it's kind of like the film, um, the Painted Veil that uh, Edward Norton and Naomi Watts did, where it was like it, it's it's high, it's almost corset drama. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Hollywood's good at at recycling back to the the ones that win. So like you know, this time I. 
well, La La Land didn't win the whole thing, but you know, you bring back the musical every four or five years, and people are like, "Oh, this is new." Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's the cyclical nature of of lack of creativity, I guess. Right, 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 right. Um, the other one was a uh, uh, Netflix thing, War Machine with Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, is am I just? Is it just me, or is this just uh, Inglorious Bastards too? It totally is. I mean, it, Brad Pitt seems to like comedies. He he does fit the period piece for the for the war films, and and, and Netflix uh, they they do some great things. Uh, I thought Narcos was solid. Um, I, it's going to be interesting to see how they really package this one. I mean, I, I do think you're right. It's it's more comedic and glorious bastards, but yeah, we'll see. It just seemed like the same, almost the same character, you know. Aldo and, Rain. Yeah. And they also, uh, Netflix was talking about they're dumping $150 million into this Scorsese <sighs> thing. Yeah, there's there's some times where you're like, you know, it, it, it's like trotting out the the actor from Lost in Space when they're 85 and no one <laughs> actually knows who they are. It's like, but I was that guy on Lost in Space. It's like, yeah, no one cares. Yeah. It's like, at this point... Well, even De Niro acknowledges it's like it's ridiculous. I'm an old, I'm a guy in my seventies or whatever. It's like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's. Know? I wonder who's making these decisions and what is, or you know, who has pictures with someone and a puppy. I mean, it's <laughs> because it doesn't make sense to me. It's not compelling. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's Scorsese, so it's like even if it's bad, it's still going to be good and yeah. interesting. So. It's going to be it's going to be better than Yui Bull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then finally, Goon, Last of the Enforcers. Which, I'm in on that one. Yeah, the trailer looks kind of like Slapshot, too. Or... Oh, there was a flaming pile of shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, Sean William Scott, I thought that was a surprise hit where he just kind of got to be the lovable, dumb you know, fighter, mm-hmm. the, the enforcer. And his career has done pretty much nothing since that movie in fact I, I thought you know maybe it was substance abuse or whatever but he he fell off the radar for like three four years so i'm really curious to see what he does and, and how he comes back from that uh and leave shriver love him um you know i'm a hockey guy so uh, and i can relate to him you know being a shitty skater i was always a shitty skater um so i i have the character me, I'm sympathetic. So uh, yeah, I'm in on this one. Yeah, it looks fun. I didn't see the first one. It's been on my Netflix queue forever. It's um, it's fun. It, it it may surprise you with uh, it, it's it's actually very sweet. And I, I Jesus, I use that movie the term of the hockey movie, which I should be <laughs> shot for. But but it is it it, ha, it is very it's very earnest and sweet. Yeah, yeah. I have to check. That. I love. I'm. I've said this before in the show, but I'm not a big sports fan. But man, I love sports movies. You know, I just think the it's it, it the structure is comfortable, and and um, you always I always walk away with a, one of those the, the feel goods. You know. Oh, totally. Uh, one of my guilty pleasures is Keanu Reeves' The Replacements. There you go. So I I get it. Yeah. And roller and rollerball the original. Oh. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so great, great. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so far this most of these it's about what I expected. None of none of these really blew me away or made me go, "Oh, holy, I didn't see that coming." Um, so we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Uh, recommendations, you got anything? See anything um, good? 
I've got actually three that I want to see. Um, oh. I've been doing a lot of uh, movies that I've actually watched, besides uh, Wick Chapter 2, I've been doing a lot of uh, going back to the classics, like Casablanca, Maltese Falcon, nice. uh, Patton, Patton. But the, the three this year that I want to see, uh, I want to see The Dark Tower. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'm a fan of Stephen King, read the series. Last book didn't end the way I wanted to, so I was a little bitter for a while. But when I read a passage about Roland, I can picture Idris Elba as Roland. Excellent. So that so that tells me that it's like, yeah, I'm in. And, and I like him as an actor anyway. He he has a lot of range. He does a lot of really cool stuff. So I, I'm excited to see that adaptation. I mean, I don't think it'll suck. It might, but Idris Elba is one of those actors that I can watch in shitty movies, and I will still appreciate it for what it is because he's he's a solid actor. Yeah, always solid. Yeah. How even about when, you? Even when he's on a screen for a short amount of time, like Thor. Yeah. He's riveting. Absolutely. Uh, I would add to that movies I want to see is the new Predator, with uh, really? that Shane Black's doing. Okay. Yeah, I think Shane Black makes really fun movies. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and then this yep. new guys thing. Um, uh, and wrote the original. I think he may understand it. And they say he's got a great idea. So that that's exciting. As far as what I've watched, um, I'm still doing the movie of the day thing. Highlights <laughs> this week were um, uh, there was a, a rewatch I did of an old Giallo called Torso by Sergio Martino. Um, it's a great. If you like Giallos, it's great. If you don't like Giallos, watch the last reel. It's a cat and mouse game in a house between a girl and a killer. That's absolutely amazing. Um, and then a documentary that just came out called "Can We Take a Joke?" You talk, we were talking about social justice warriors and that kind of thing. Oh. It's it's a conversations with comedians about you know should you ever apologize to an audience for a joke you made and should you ever apologize for a joke that somebody found offensive and that kind of thing. Um, I thought that was. Those were really good. Uh, the other films th this week were things like uh, classic Western Ride the High Country, uh, Peckinpah, um, OSS 117 Lost in Rio, um, a documentary on fans uh, and fandom called I Think We're Alone Now about fans of the recording artist Tiffany that follow her around. Oh, oh, my God. It's fucking scary, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, that whole, yeah. It's like I... they have a, this imagined relationship with this person. And it's yeah, really scary. Just don't sit on any furniture in their houses or their parents' houses. Yeah, it's all covered in plastic. <laughs> I, you uh, know, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I, I was going to say, of the movies that I have been watching, uh, mainly the rewatches, I was really surprised at some of the like the little veiled comments that I didn't pick up the first few times I watched Casablanca. Yeah. But it's it's really funny. I mean, he, yeah. they really make some kind of inappropriate digs in there. You're like, huh. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. wonder I didn't catch that. Uh, but I, I think of, of the movies I've watched that I've really been glad that I sat through again was uh, Fury. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it is, I, I think it's a, it shows a horror and kind of a very different side of a lot of the actors in the movie. Uh, you know, it was a good look for Pitt. I thought that it's, it may be the only movie that Shia LaBeouf has been in that I haven't wanted to hit him with something. <laughs> um, I thought he was solid. I, I mean, I just think all around that was a compelled movie in every respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of, um, ah, the names escaped me. It was a foreign film that was kind of like Das Boat in a Tank. Um, 
God damn, it's on it's on my my list on the on my website. Um, anyway, but yeah, I think it's great. It's built in. It's 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 Romarian. It's characters locked in a confined space and having to interact and and yeah, just great stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, anything else? Uh, I was just going to say probably the other two that I want to see this year the the trifecta for Planet of the Apes, the War of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, uh, I, I think it. It has the danger of being too too CGI ish, which is understandable. But uh, I'm on Team Ape, so I wanna I wanna see them do some yeah, carnage. Yeah, I, I got worried when I saw Woody Harrelson shaving his head a la Kurtz. Yeah, I that I, uh, that made me kind of go, "Ooh, this could go wrong." But I'm in. I'm in. I'm totally in on that one. Absolutely. Totally. What's the other and one? Dunkirk. Um, I think Dunkirk could be this decade's Private Ryan. That's the uh, uh, Christopher Nolan thing, right? Yes. Yeah, that looked good. That one I will I will see on opening day, uh, hopefully matinee before people ruin it. But that's one that I want to see on the screen with popcorn and an icy and just absorb it. Right on, right on. Um, anything? Are you reading anything good? Uh, one political and one fiction. So, no, so no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going um, back and reading a bunch of Happen Leonard stuff from Lansdale, and it's it's just fucking a joy. Nice. It's just some of the greatest language I've ever heard. Um, I, I need to I need to get my book list updated. That's yeah. for sure. There's so much stuff that comes out now. Um, let's see. Uh, anything you want to plug or? Um, actually, no. I just would like to actually I plug your podcast. I <laughs> I've, I've really I've really enjoyed you and your regular crew. Uh, you know Langley and, and Heather, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm glad I got the name right. I would have felt really bad not. Uh, you guys have a really good set of diverse perspectives. You guys keep the topic interesting and it flows. I mean, there's some podcasts that at an hour. I'm like, Jesus, that's too long. Yeah. But I, I appreciate that you guys have interesting topics, most of which I don't know shit about. So it's a really good learning experience for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, keep on keeping on, man. Hey, thanks. Now, now you're a part of that crew, so... Hopefully, people listen after this. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, what am I working on? I'm working. I'm finishing up the new collection, which should be done by the end of the month, and then I'm moving on to the the No Flesh Shall Be Spared sequel. Which, uh, I went back and looked at my notes, and I thought I thought I was good, and I'm just finding it woefully unprepared. So it's almost fun that it's a, I'm able to go back and not have to be a slave to an outline, and it, it should be nice. it should be hip. Uh, other than that, go to our Facebook page. We're always posting stuff on there. And um, please go to my website. And if you are of a mind, um, if you go to Smashwords this month, um, type type in my name and look. They will give you a 50% off coupon on everything that's uh, that our publisher, Crossroad Press, is doing. So it's like it's a good time to buy Kindle books from Smashwords because they're, they're, most of them, I want to say, are 50% off. Nice. So, uh, John, thanks a lot for coming on, man. That was really hey. super fun. I know it's a good show when I have fun. <laughs> well, that's good. Hey, I appreciate you having me. And Tom, you know, you've you've always been a great friend. But uh, I tell people buy your buy his books. Yeah. They're good reads. Yeah, fucking ass. But, and if you need any more uh, any more uh, firearm research, come on down to Oregon, and uh, I'll open the toy chest, and we'll have firearm. a little fun. Yeah, that's a date. All right, well, dude, I will talk to you later. Take care. So, before the bonus material podcast, I'm Tom Cornell. I'm John Edwards. Stay scary.